Today on the podcast, we continue our conversation with Katie Milkman, the author of How to Change, and we dive deep into the behavioral science you need to improve your life. Get excited, because this is Tiny Leaps. Big change. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to let you know about a podcast I really recommend you take a listen to. I already know you're the kind of person who likes quick and actionable ways to improve your life. And if you like this show, you're going to love the Mind Love podcast. Mind Love is all about giving your mind a little love each day. Each week, Melissa brings on a fascinating guest expert like Melissa Robbins, author of The Five Second Rule, or James Clear of Atomic Habits. But the thing that really sets this show apart is how honest the host is about her own struggles. It's raw, real, and sometimes pretty hilarious. So after you're done with this episode, search for the Mind Love podcast with Melissa Monty and start giving your mind a little more love today. Or just click the link in the description of this episode. I also want to let you know about my app. It's called Upward. And the point is to help you stick with those healthy habits by pairing you with an accountability partner to work with. And here's how it works. You download the app, create your account, pick a habit that you want to work on, something like meditation, journaling, eating healthier, drinking more water, whatever it is you want to work on. You pick something from the list and then you request a partner. You'll be matched with somebody who's working on that same habit and you'll be able to chat and support each other for 21 days. Plus, right now it's 100% free. So download the Upward app today. Just search Upward Habits on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store or click the link in the description of this episode. Katie Milkman is an award-winning behavioral scientist and the James G. Dinan Professor at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. She's worked with dozens of organizations to encourage positive change, including Google, Walmart, the U.S. Department of Defense, and the American Red Cross. She co-founded and co-directs the Behavior Change for Good initiative at the University of Pennsylvania and hosts Choiceology, a popular Charles Schwab podcast about behavioral economics. Now, we first met Katie in yesterday's episode, episode 788, where she talked about the study that she's probably the most well known for, the Fresh Start 
effect. And this is the idea that you are more likely to make a change or at least initiate the process of change around dates that have some kind of fresh start meaning. So for example, New Year's, Mondays, and birthdays. Now that alone is an incredible piece of knowledge that we can apply to our day-to-day lives. But Katie knows so much more and is able to share so much more wisdom with us. So one of the other things that she makes an argument for in her book, How to Change, is the idea of cash commitment devices. Here's how she puts it. Cash commitment devices are hard for people to wrap their heads around because they look like penalizing yourself, uh, right? So we're all used to it when, you know, your government or your neighborhood association or your employer, uh, you know, gives you or or your um, health insurer slaps fines on you for some sort of behavior that they think you might be tempted to engage in that wouldn't be so great, right? Like if you speed, we're going to give you a ticket potentially, right? Um, You know, if you smoke, you're going to have a higher health insurance premium. We're used to those kinds of things where the world is giving us incentives. What's weird about a commitment device is it's you doing that to yourself. So you decide my goal is to quit smoking or my goal is to um, visit the gym twice a week for the next month, whatever. My goal is to, you know, learn a new language and go on Duolingo uh, every day for the next year. You set the goal and then you literally put cash down that you will forfeit if you fail to follow through. And you choose a referee who will hold you accountable. And you can, you know, you can do this, do this on the side with like someone in your life. Or you can use these websites that have sprung up that will monitor and, and provide um, this service beminderstick.com or a couple i'm sure there are others out there those are the, just the ones i happen to know about so you put money on the line you forfeit it if you fail to achieve the goal they donate to a charity it could be a charity you hate if you don't achieve it some referee holds you to it turns out science shows this is a really effective tool for promoting goal achievement because you're finding yourself and cash rewards and penalties matter a lot um but it it's very counterintuitive to people to put money on the line that they'll find themselves with, right? You're like, I'm going to be worse off doubly if I fail to achieve my goal. I'll be like, you know, poor and won't know this new language that I had committed to learn or will still be smoking. But yeah, the research shows just giving people access to these kinds of commitment devices has a big impact. My favorite study is on smokers showing that if you randomly assign some smokers to have a, an opportunity to put money on the line that they'll have to forfeit if they don't quit smoking in six months and they have to pass a urine test and others just get standard tools for quitting. You see 30% higher quit rates among those who had this way to set cash aside that they would have to forfeit because it's just motivating to know you might lose that. Yeah. So with something like smoking, that makes a lot of sense actually when you, when you explain it that way uh, where the, cost of continuing to do the action is significantly higher than the the cost of of that you might be paying um for it i think where i get scared with cash commitment devices as not even necessarily something i want to use in my own life but as as a tool that i recommend to my listeners is the other side of it where you are increasing the pressure of failure. Um, and I, I, I 
full disclosure, my listeners know this, I do not have any research on anything. But I do wonder when we make failure harder to do, does that decrease the likelihood long-term of the person trying again when they do fail? Um, and does that decrease the likelihood of of them trying in the first place because failure becomes scarier? Do you have any just inherent thoughts on that? First of all, it's a great question. Um, the data that I have seen on commitment it generally focuses on that first attempt, right? So do you attempt it at all and do you succeed? And And there's very strong evidence in general that having access to a commitment device increases success rates. But, but the second, so, so that answers part of your question, which is like, will it discourage people from even attempting it? Um, the studies, I, I, the studies don't typically force you to use a cash commitment. Like how can they? Cause they're like stealing money from you. If they do that, they can't force you to, they invite you to use it. And then they compare the outcomes for a group that's been invited to use one some of whom say yes, some of whom don't, with the outcomes of a group that didn't get that invitation. So that's the typical study. And and having access and the opportunity to use one consistently improves outcomes. But you're talking about long-term. And that's a great question. Like, if I fail after having tried one, does it reduce the likelihood I will ever try again? That is possible. And I don't think it would be picked up by the evidence or the data that's been collected to date. I think that's exactly the kind of question sort of next decade of behavioral science research we'll be looking at. There have been some, you know, multi-year studies of groups that have had access to things like this, and I've never seen anything suggesting a backfire. So that's somewhat heartening. But um, I also don't think people have gone looking specifically at the subgroups who adopted and then failed, and there could be like some pernicious stuff going on for some populations. So I'm actually fascinated by this. Uh, for you listening to this right now, when you have a moment, you're probably driving right now. Don't do it while you're driving. Um, informal survey. Have you ever used an app like stick.com or BeMinder or any of these tools that allow you to to do this sort of like cash commitment? Or have you ever asked a friend, hey, I'm going to give you 20 bucks to hold on to if I don't do this thing, keep it. I'm really curious if you've, if you've ever done something like this and how it worked for you. So please reach out, let me know. Um, Katie, so expanding a little bit beyond the book and beyond um, just the fields that, that you study. So this is just curious about your opinions. Something I've been fascinated, excuse me, fascinated about lately is the balance between what changes require personal action and, and and personal behavior change versus what is a larger sort of societal shift that needs to happen. Um, the example that I've been using a lot is the individual might want to eat healthier this year, but that's very difficult if they happen to live in a food desert. So that's a larger societal shift that needs to happen before they can do any kind of personal um, behavior change. However, the personal development space as a whole tends to just prioritize the like personal accountability, like did were you disciplined or not approach. Do you have any sense as to what the balance might actually be? Mm, that's a great question. So uh, like uh, as you point out, so my research, my expertise is on that is is at the individual level. Yeah. Um, my general sense 
uh, is that the situation matters more than the person, right? And and that the one of the most famous findings in all of social psychology is something called the fundamental attribution error, which is that we think it's all about the individual and their choices, when in reality, so much is out of the individual's control. Like the, the driver who cuts you off, you're like, what a jerk. But actually that person just lost their job or, you know, right. something horrible just happened to them this morning and you're not accounting for the situation that led them to be in that state. Um, I think we drastically under uh, estimate the importance of the situation and the, the, the need to change society and the fabric of society. It's not where I have found, I personally can do research that's most impactful and it's not my area of expertise. And I should also say, you know, at some point I wrote like paragraphs in my book about this where I was like, I'm sorry, I can't help you with society. <laughs> and that's so important. And then, and everyone who read it was like, just take that out. Obviously that's not your thing. <laughs> um, but it does, you know, it, it is a thing that sometimes keeps me awake at night is that I don't have solutions for those bigger problems. All I can offer is help that uh, can can assist the individual. But when a person finds themselves in a terrible situation, which so many people do, right? When when they lack resources, they, they're in an environment that uh, has set them up for failure. These tools won't get them nearly as far as they need to go. And that's very frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating. And the reason that I bring it up and the reason that I've been trying to talk about it more on the show is... That doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. That doesn't mean that some of these tools can't help. However, it does mean that you should be more empathetic towards yourself. It shouldn't be, well, I failed because I wasn't disciplined. There are very likely larger factors that that led to that situation. And that, that's outside of your control. At the end of the day, there's no point being upset at yourself or beating yourself up for that um, it's really just about utilizing the tools that Katie talks about when you can, where you can, and and making whatever changes you can to the degree that you can. Um, Katie, and, this and I would been, add and, yeah. and vote. <laughs> and vote, <laughs> and, absolutely. Yeah, and try to, you know, try to make the world a better, fairer place uh, and recognize the importance of doing that in addition to, you know, trying to make progress in your own journey. At some point last year, I started to realize... Because uh, this show really did start from, a, a, it started about six years ago with a frustration in the personal development space because there was what seemed like really phenomenal Instagram quotes, went viral and everything, but just not actually that applicable to most people's lives. Um, as I've been going through this journey and, and talking to amazing people like you, reading research papers and, and trying to bring content to people, I've started to realize more and more, as much as this isn't a political show, politics does matter and it does affect your life in a, a major way. So maybe it's not me, but finding somebody to listen to who knows that field um, might be worth your time. Katie, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I've had so much fun. Um, what I'd like to do, uh, just as a, a last question here, if there's one thing that you were hoping as you were writing the book, one thing that you were hoping people would walk away with, what would that be? I have two that I'm thinking of, so I have to choose, which is very hard. Um, I'm going to choose a specific lesson rather than sort of the whole of the book's message, which is about 
the book's message is sort of um, about tailoring and trying to figure out what what's not working for you and, and trying to fix that. But I actually think the most important lesson that's so incredibly widely applicable is that if we aren't enjoying what we're trying to do, if we don't enjoy goal pursuit, if we're miserable in the act, we won't persist. And so many of us just think that if we, you know, push harder, work harder, push through, that's the, you know, find the most efficient, effective route to whatever goal it is and and grind it out. That's how you get there. And the, that's not what the evidence shows. Um, Ayelet Fishbach of the University of Chicago, who has a great new book out, by the way, called Get It Done. Um, a brilliant motivation scientist has all this research showing how we get this wrong. We think, look for the effective path, but success depends on enjoying the action because if it's not enjoyable, we quit. And so I, I think that lesson is so important for everything from, you know, your workout routine, right? Like if it's brutal and miserable, you're not going to keep doing it. So even if it's a less, it burns less calories per minute, like going to Zumba class with a friend is going to be way better because you'll keep doing it or your career, right? If you hate what you wake up in the morning doing, and if you have the privilege uh, and more of us do right now because of what's happening in the world to make a change, then looking for opportunities to do work that you find enjoyable, that's how you can have the, you know, you're going to have the best outcomes and you're going to persist and you're going to achieve more. So I think people feel like it's indulgent to do what they enjoy. And in reality, it's actually the best path to success. So I think that I think that's really important and underappreciated. And I'd love for people to know that. Yeah. Thank you for, for pointing that out. The book is called How to Change the Science of Getting from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. Uh, Katie, is there anywhere else that people should be connecting with you? I think the best place to find more about me is on my website, which is katiemilkman.com. Katie with a Y like Katie Perry. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and I am thankful to her for making my spelling slightly less confusing. Popularizing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the best place you can find podcast, uh, Choiceology. I have a newsletter called Milkman Delivers, more about the book and more about my research and the research center I run at, at Warden. Awesome. And of course, all of those links will be in the description of the episode. Katie, thank you so, so much for your time today. Thank you for being here. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. That's it for my conversation with Katie Milkman. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. Thank you for spending your time with us. It means more than you could possibly ever know. I encourage you to pick up Katie's book, How to Change. I've got a copy in front of me right now, and it is a phenomenal read. If you're looking for research-based information on how to improve your life, how to make changes, how to build better habits, how to stick with the things you know you should be doing, if that's what you want, then you need to read the book, How to Change by Katie Milkman. I've got a link to it in the description of this episode. So be sure to tap that, pick up a copy and let her know that I sent you. I also want to encourage you now that you're done with this episode, go check out the Mind Love podcast. Melissa is doing really amazing work over there, interviewing some fascinating guest experts and sharing her own story. So if you're just like, you know what, I need something else to keep me going, go check out her show. It's really, really worth it. And lastly, if you haven't already, download the app Upward. It's 100% free. It's available on iPhone and Android, and it's the easiest way to build a habit this year. So really, what have you got to lose? Thank you again for being here. I've been Greg Clunas, and remember, mistakes are not final. 
Failure is a requirement, and all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. 